Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning. Great is his faithfulness. That's something we forget. And I was thinking about, I was listening to a sermon yesterday, and the preacher was talking about, he talking about counting your blessings, name them one by one. And I always want to sing, count your many blessings. There's about a million and one. You know, you can sing that, but that's not what the song says, but there's at least a million and one. More than that. Remember, we're in the book of Romans, and today we're going to be in chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 7. And uh, these are some difficult verses, but I think I finally figured them out, I think. Uh, Remember, the whole book is really about the righteousness that comes from God by faith. And really, the first eight chapters are the doctrinal or the teaching section, what we are to believe. Chapters 9 through 11 are about Israel, and yes, they're still included in God's plan. Chapters 12 through 16 are really the practical section that means we apply it. This is how we apply it to our life. If you've ever noticed in your Bible, a lot of times in the New Testament, a lot of the the actual books, the epistles, the letters from Paul, and those kind of letters, they're written and what they're done is they would, they're basically divided up a lot of times into two sections. This is who we are, now this is how we are to behave. This is who you are. Maybe when you were growing up, your mom or your daddy or somebody said, now you're a, you fill in your last name, and they would say, and they said, now I want you to go out and act like one today. I don't want you to embarrass me. Remember who you belong to, right? So if you embarrass me, I'm going to wear you out or something. So when we got to chapter 9, we saw that Paul had a heart for the rest of the Jews because he was a Jew, and he was saved, and he wished he could even, if possible, go to hell for the other Jews so that they might be saved. And then he listed all of these benefits that they had. And then the last time we were here, we really spent the whole time on one verse, really, And he goes on in verse 6 and he says, But it's not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they're not all Israel who are of Israel. We're going to talk more about that and really explain that. What he's saying is just because you're physically a Jew doesn't mean that you're one of the people that's going to heaven because everyone, no matter whether you're a Jew or whoever you are, have to do what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, right? You have to ask God to forgive you and save you. He says in verse 7, Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is those who are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise, that this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. 
And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by her father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who called, it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. So remember this section is one of those sections that some people will use to say that, that God calls some people that he, he made them and formed them and, and, and he did that with the purpose uh, they're never going to make it to heaven, they're going to go to hell. And some people are his elect and they're going to heaven. And they use this section to really kind of do that. But remember God is sovereign. But remember also that, guess what? The Bible also says man is responsible. That means that every one of us, the Bible says, all that my Father gives me, I will forgive. And then he says, and and he who comes to me, I will in no ways cast out, right? And he calls on us. He tells the Pharisees, he says, you're not my sheep. And then he says, you're not my sheep because you're not willing to believe. And so there's always two sides to that. And so that's kind of what we want to talk about today. And really the crux of this whole matter, as I was really studying it this week and looking at it, uh, what it came down to was God is doing his work and what he's doing is he's picking two nations he's picking the nations that the promised seed is going to come through and that's what he's doing in this section Romans chapter 9 we're in verse 7 today he says that first of all that God made a sovereign choice among the physical descendants to establish the spiritual line of promise because what did he say in verse 7? Nor are they all children because they're the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. So remember what Jesus told the Pharisees in John chapter 8. And they were basically saying that you were born of an adulterous fornication. And he says to them, well, right before that, he says, look, if you were Abraham's child, you would do what? The works of Abraham, right? But you're of your father, the devil. And he was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. And so they lash out and say, well, we were not born of fornication. But listen, only people who trust Jesus Christ are the ones who are the true seed, the true people of God. But what God is doing here is he first uses this example of Isaac. It's implied here. He doesn't mention Ishmael. But what he does do is he implies here that there's two children. And he says, in Isaac your seed shall be called. And remember back in the Genesis all this time, remember Abraham's about 80-something years old and, and Sarah's in her 70s and something like that, 90 and 80. And basically God comes to Abraham and says, you're going to have a child, right? And through that child, all the whole families of the earth are going to be blessed, right? First of all, Abraham says, well, my servant. And he mentions his servant because he was like a child to him. And he says, no, that's not who it's going to be. You're going to have a child. You and your wife are going to have a child, right? He says, or you will have a child. And so what happens later on is they go all these years and they don't have a child. And so finally, uh, Sarah puts his 
puts her husband Abraham up to going into Hagar, their maid servant, and she he goes into Hagar, and next thing you know, they've got this child named Ishmael. Then she gets mad with Abraham because she did what he did what she told him to do, and uh, when God speaks again, he says, "No, it's not Ishmael, but you're going to have a child." And so, when Abraham is about a hundred years old and Sarah's about ninety, what happens? God blesses them with this child of promise, and He says that Ishmael's going to be blessed, but it's it. But remember, she was not actually from his actual wife Sarah, right? And but sometimes if they couldn't have kids, what would they do? They would go into their maidservants, remember? God didn't condone all that, but that's what happened a lot of times. It happens today, I guess. But here here they are, and God says, Your natural child, the one that you're gonna have, your supernaturally born child, is the one that's gonna be the one that's gonna be the one that has the line of promise in it. So the first thing really there's there's two children, and there's Ishmael, and there's Isaac. What happens is Isaac is born of his actual wife, Sarah, and Ishmael's actually born of the maidservant. So the first thing God does is he makes a choice between Isaac and Ishmael. And he makes a choice. Remember, he's appointing these nations. And remember Ishmael, that's where the Arabs came from. That's the people that actually, over time, have what? They've come to the place where they hate the Jews, right? They really don't want peace, all they, even though they talk peace. But he, they are not talking peace. They basically said that they won't, won't be happy until they've driven every one of the Jews into the sea. And so what happens is what God is doing is he's distinguishing between those who are true seed, those who are going to be saved, and those who are are not going to be saved. And so he says, Nor are they all children because they're the seed of Abraham, but now Isaac your seed shall be called. So he's saying that through Isaac, what's going to happen? That's the line of promise that the Messiah is going to come from. The next thing that happens is he's going to go, he says in verse 8, he says, that is, those who are the children of flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted as the seed. In other words, just because you're born into a family is what he's saying here. Just because you're Abraham's child doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. Just like today, a lot of people say, well, my parents were missionaries or my parents were pastors. Well, what's the old thing that I've heard somebody else say it? Just because you're in a garage doesn't mean you're a car, right? Just because you're in a McDonald's doesn't mean you're a hamburger, right? And just because you're in a church does not mean you're a Christian. The only way you're going to become a Christian is if you ask God to forgive you and save you, right? That's the only way that happens. And that's what God is doing. And the point is, is that God selected one nation to be the people whose line contained the promised seed of Jesus. And some people would say, well, based on these scriptures, that Ishmael went to hell. But there's like six or seven verses here, and I can read all of them. I won't read all of them, but there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven verses. I guess I should have put those down for you, maybe give them to you. But it says in Genesis 25, 8, Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. 
That's the phrase that we want to focus on was gathered to his people. And it talks about Isaac, Ishmael. He was 137 years old. Genesis 25, 17. He breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Isaac, 35, 29. He breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. Jacob, when he finished commanding his sons, 49, 33. He drew up his feet in the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Numbers 20, 24. Aaron shall be gathered to his people. Numbers 20, 26. For Aaron shall be gathered to his people. Deuteronomy 32, 50. Uh, he's talking to Moses and he says, and, and you will die on the mountain which you ascend and be gathered to your people just as your a a brother Aaron died on the Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. So what is he saying? Ishmael went to heaven. Remember he was out in the wilderness and even though he, they said he would be a wild man and he was talking about his family and they would be against him and all this, but apparently based on this verse, Ishmael went to heaven because he was gathered to his people. And who were his people? I mean, if, if they were gathered to his people, that's the same thing they said about Aaron, they said about Isaac, they said about Jacob, they said about Moses, they said about all of these people, they said about Abraham, right? So they were all gathered to their people, and who were their people? That was the people that were in heaven, or the early precursor to heaven. That's what they're saying here. And so, in other words, just being physically from the loins of Abraham doesn't mean you're a child of God. That's what he's saying here. And they were called by God to receive the promise of salvation through that line. So what does he say in verse 8, or excuse me, verse 9? For this is the word of promise, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. So that's what he comes back later on and he defines more. He said through Abraham, through all your families will be blessed. But then he comes back later on when he says Ishmael will be the one and and God says, no, this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. So he's saying that Ishmael is not the promised son. But guess what? Isaac is going to be the one through whom it comes. Really, Isaac is the one that was born at a special time. He was born by the special power of God. And he was born by the promise of God. And you know what? He's really a picture of a Christian because he's born specially, born by the special power of God, born in the promise of God. And that's what a Christian is, is one that's born supernaturally of God because God has called us. Just as it said of Ruth that she was uniquely set in a, by God in a special place for a special time. And the same thing of Esther that she was born for such a time as this. That's what the deal is with, is with Isaac, is he was born to be an example of who a Christian is, especially born of God, but he was also born so that the line would come through him. And now what does he do? He's got two different women, not of the same family, but then he's going to come back and he's going to give us another example and he's going to kind of bring it down a little closer here. And remember, like I said, God is sovereign, man is responsible. We don't know how that works. If we were God, we, we could figure it out, right? Maybe one day we'll understand it when we get to heaven. But right now, we don't understand it. Uh, even though some people think they do. And they've got all these charts and graphs and all these scriptures. And they've got it all lined out. But when you start reading between the lines of scripture, I think you get in trouble. 
because God did only said so much, and if He only said so much, then you don't go beyond what the Scripture says, right? Let's read this next example. It's even stronger. Look at verse 10 in Romans chapter 9. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. And it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. So let's look at this. Remember, Rebekah was the daughter of Bethuel from Padan Aram, chosen as the wife, as a bride for Isaac. And you remember that great story how the servant went to find Isaac in Genesis 24. And she was to be the bride. She came back and was the bride. And according to Genesis 25, she gave birth. You remember she gave birth to twins, Genesis 25. You can read it in verses 19 to 24. Their names were Jacob and Esau. And from those two, God chose one through whom he would come the line of promise, and the one was whom? Jacob. Esau was firstborn, and he should have had the right of primogenitor, the firstborn privileges, which meant a double blessing and double respect. But God chose Jacob, and what it means is God is selective. And he's not only selective, but sometimes he chooses what doesn't seem to be the way you or I would choose. He has that sovereign right. And so when Rebekah conceived by one man, that, that is by her father Isaac, jumped to verse 12, it was said to her, verse 11 is a parenthesis, it was said to her, the elder shall serve the younger. Who said that? Genesis 25 said, God said it. God says, I choose Jacob. I choose the younger to be set over the elder. And that was against the normal course of life, but that was God's choice. Now, if you read Genesis 25, you're going to find a lot of interesting things about these two men, Jacob and Esau. Verse 11, for the children not yet being born, having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works, but of him who calls. According to God's purpose, whose choice was not based on works, verse 11, Esau was the one who was firstborn. He was not chosen of God, and his life confirmed that, didn't it? You see, when God chooses, that's only part of it. God rejected Esau as the line of promise, and Esau also rejected God. And you can be sure that God only rejects those who reject him and only chooses those who choose him. That's the divine mystery. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. The other was Jacob. He was younger. And verse 12 says that the text said the elder shall serve the younger. You can read it in Genesis 25. God said that. The elder is going to serve the younger. He bought the birthright from Esau. He received the blessing. He received it by deception, didn't he? He pretended to be Esau. His mother put him up to it. He shouldn't have ever done that. Why would even Rebecca do that? She knew that God said that the elder would serve the younger. She knew that God said, Jacob is the one I choose. Why would you even do that? They didn't trust God. And, and God said, if He's gonna, it's going to be that way, he's going to make it happen without anybody needing to deceive. And you know what? You and I, every single day, we do that. We deceive and we, we wangle and we do whatever we can to get God to do what we want the way we want and how we want it. But you know, if God's told us that he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And we need to just trust God and, and let him do what he does best. His mother puts him up to it in spite of the word of the Lord. All they had to do was wait and God would have worked it out and he would have received a blessing, but they tried to deceive and they, they get it on their own and consequently poor Jacob, he has a life of pain and sorrow and trouble. And Jacob, he did seek God. He's the one that wrestled with the angel and out of that wrestling, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel and he did seek God. He had a heart for God, but he suffered because of his sin. He was chastened by God. He was hated by his brother. His life 
life was full of pain and sorrow, but he did seek God and there was a righteousness in him and he was God's chosen child. So the point that Paul is making is the same point, only he's using a different illustration. When it came to Jacob, Esau, God made a choice too. So it shouldn't be surprising to us that all of the Jews don't believe. All of Abraham's sons weren't chosen as the children of promise, nor all of Isaac's either. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. The strong contrast is a Semitic idiom that heightens the comparison by stating it in absolute terms. It is evident in this case that the word hate means to love less, to regard and to treat with less favor. Thus in Genesis 29 and 33, Leah says she was hated by her husband, while in the preceding verse the same idea is expressed by saying, Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. Matthew 10:37 and Luke 14:26 says, If a man come to me and hate not his father and mother, and John 12 25 he who loves his life will lose it he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life when we see this verse jacob have i loved and esau have i hated this is a direct quote from malachi chapter 1 verse 2 to 3 and he says i hated esau laid his mountains in his heritage waste he hated esau verse 2 i love jacob jacob i've loved esau i hated listen to this carefully i don't believe that this is a primary reference to the individual jacob and the individual esau i don't think that's the point because that's never said in the old testament that is never uttered in the book of genesis god never says when those young men are born i hate esau he never says it during the life of Jacob and he never says it during the life of Esau. There's no such statement ever made. In fact, it's probably nearly a thousand years later when the prophet says, Esau have I hated. The Esau of his hatred is the idolatrous pagan kingdom of Edom that's come from the loins of Esau. And the Jacob he loves is the Israel, the Israel of God, his people, his nation, the people of blessings. Let's talk about some lessons here. God did not base his election on the physical. Therefore, if the nation of Israel, Abraham's physical descendants, have rejected God's word, this does not nullify God's elective purposes at all. Number two, God chose Jacob before the babies were born. The two boys had done neither good nor evil, so God's choice was not based on their character or conduct. And Romans 9.13 is a reference to Malachi chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 and refers to nations, Israel and Edom, and not individual sinners. God does not hate sinners. John 3.16 makes it clear that he loves sinners. The statement here has to do with national election, not individual. Since God's election of Israel does not depend on human merit, their disobedience cannot nullify the elective purposes of God. God is faithful even though his people are unfaithful. Number three, we cannot explain the relationship between man's choice and God's purpose, but we know that both are true and are taught in the word of God. Number four, we cannot help but admire Paul's burden for Israel. His words remind us of Moses in Exodus chapter 32, verse 31 and 32. And the question is, is do we have that kind of burden for lost souls? Christ loved us so much, he became a curse for us. So lastly, we want to keep in mind, number five, that the election discussed in the election discussed in Romans chapter 9 through 11 is national and not individual. To apply all these truths to the of these chapters to the salvation or security of the individual believer is to miss their message completely. In fact, Paul carefully points out that he is discussing the Jews and the Gentiles as people, not individual sinners. So Abraham, he was chosen as the father of the Hebrew nation, but Paul states that not all Israel Israelites are true sons of Israel. 
See also chapter 2, verse 25 to 29. Abraham had many children, Genesis 25, 1 to 6, but only one chosen son, Isaac, who was the child of promise by faith. Also Isaac, he was the child of promise by faith. See Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 to 31. While Ishmael was a child of flesh through works, the true seed of Abraham are the believers and not just all who have Jewish blood in their veins. Jacob, God bypassed Esau the firstborn and he chose Jacob. And this choice was made even before the children were born. Why? To show that God's purpose in electing his nation would be fulfilled. Esau made the choice to rebel against God, but God's purpose does not depend on man's decisions. We cannot explain the relationship between God's purpose and man's choice, but we know that both are true. And both are clearly taught all through the word of God. You go and look and see. Lastly, we just need to remember there is a God calls God's sovereignty in the Bible, but he always holds man responsible. He says about Judas, the son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. So Jesus basically says that he determined that he would go that way. But he says, woe to that man because Judas was responsible. Judas could do all the signs, wonders, and miracles that all the rest of the apostles could do. He was with Jesus three years. He made a choice, and he chose to turn Jesus over to the Pharisees. He chose the devil and Satan. He chose the riches of this world. He wanted to be somebody. And when it was all said and done, he lost out, and he went to hell. So I hope and pray that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because the Bible says that one day that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He says that in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man once to die and then to judgment. So I hope and pray that you've trusted Christ. And if you haven't, today, right where you're at, the Bible says in Romans 10.9 and 10, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is God, that he's Lord, and God has raised him from the dead, then thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth you confess unto salvation, and with the heart you believe unto righteousness. And then he says, and whoever calls on his name shall not be put to shame. Whoever calls on his name shall be saved. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you again for your grace and your mercy and love. We ask that you would just work in somebody's heart here today. God, just bless and work in their lives. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, to harden not your heart. So I'm asking if there's one in the sound of my voice is hearing this today, they would turn from their sins and repent and turn from their wicked ways and ask you to forgive them and save them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, 
to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free. And these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.